I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 63 of the Food About Town Podcast, I had Evan Pierce and Chef Asa Mott over to talk about Buddha Pub and a fantastic new event coming up this Sunday called The Remedy, which is a brunch event with DJ Ali Khan mixing the, the party from the night before and some fantastic brunch items from Buddha Pub. We talked about the event for a little while, and then we also dove into the history of Buddha Pub, talked a while with Chef Asa about Asian cuisine, different techniques, and how he implements Asian cuisine into his take on pub food. And towards the end, we also talked with Evan about his history and why Buddha Pub ended up happening. So, hope you enjoyed this episode, and come check out The Remedy this weekend. This is Sunday from 11 till 4 at Buddha Pub. And I'll be there towards the end of it. So if you're there, come over and say hi. Hope to see you then. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on social media. I'm at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram and Food About Town on Facebook. Thanks for listening. To the honeys, get your money, play your fellas like dummies. Oh, you got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place. Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby, baby. Straight up, honey, really, I'm asking. Most of these fellas think they be macking, but they be acting. Who they attracting with that line? What's your name? What's your sign? Soon as he buy that wine, I just creep up from behind and ask you what your interests are. Who you be? With things to make you smile, what numbers to dial? You gon' be here for a while. I'm gon' call my crew, you gon' call your crew. We can rendezvous at the bar around two. Plans to leave, throw the keys to little C's. Pull the truck up front and roll up the next one so we can steam on the way to the telly. Go fill my belly. A T bone steak, cheese, eggs, and Welch is great. Conversate for a few, cause in a few we gon' do what we came to do. Ain't that right, boo? Forget the telly, we just go to the crib and watch a movie in the jacuzzi. Smoke L's while you do me. I love it when you call me Big Pop. Throw your hands in the air if you's a true player. So, another unseasonably warm day in Rochester. I continue to be disturbed and dismayed by this, even though it is fantastic outside. And I'm here with two guys and an absent fellow, who we're going to talk about in a second, to talk about brunch, uh, but a specific brunch. Um, gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Evan Pierce. I'm the general manager of Buddha Pub Imperialist Events in the historic German house. I'm Asa Mott. I'm the chef at Buddha Pub and Imperialist Events, I guess. <laughs> it kind of all crosses over, doesn't it? Yeah. Melts, yeah all it, melts, it all melds together. Asa also owns the place, I want to make clear. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, too. Chef-owned restaurants. The way to go. Well, you know what? I think that's something that um, something that sh- we, I hope is going to continue to be a trend here in Rochester. Um, it's not something we have a ton of, really. No, it's it's uh, well. I mean, we we come from a li- long line, well, a line of chef-owned restaurants, or at least that's that's what they at least started life out as, and that's kind of the place that where where that kind of where culinary talent really is cultivated yeah more so than uh than the bigger bigger or uh how do you say uh people who get into the industry just because they have money to burn sure (laughs) well and you know there's a balance of course i mean it is a business in the end but you know my 
my typical mission is to find the people that have passion in whatever they're doing, whether it's cooking, whether it's being a restaurateur, mm-hmm. whether it's harnessing all that talent. It's it's kind of a skill in of itself to you know be involved with that kind of thing and build talent. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, so let's take a step back and let's talk about first why we're here. So. Buddha Pub is having a event this weekend. Yep. And Evan, why don't you take a shot at describing what it is and sure. who's involved? It's um, it's called the Remedy Brunch Redefined. It's a uh, it's a concept we're developing with uh, DJ Ali Khan. He is uh, uh, a well known DJ from the area. He uh, yeah. spins everywhere. Yeah, someone he's he's really everywhere. I mean, I've run across him a number of times. We haven't really sat down to talk a ton yet, but. I talked to him on the phone about this, and he's really excited about the idea, and I, I kind of got excited, too, when he told me about it. Yeah, it's it, the concept came about, um, you know, uh, Ali Khan, he's, he's played at Budapub before. Um, he's one of those people that you come across in the Rochester area, um, and, and frankly, as, he, as he's branched out um, in, in other cities, I mean, he's, he's really made a name for himself um, as a DJ and also as, as a promoter. He, he created this really eclectic, awesome vibe for every event that he's a part of. Um, he's really discerning about the style of events that he does, and it's welcoming to everybody. Uh, the, re- you know, the reason that we're so uh, excited to be working with him is because of that, the eclectic nature of what he is. I mean, Buddha Pub um, and, and what we're trying to achieve in the German house is, is the whole concept was to be welcoming to everybody and, and to represent that, that huge cross-section of the community that, um, you know, as you try and hammer down these niches, um, in Rochester there, you know, we're not, you know, we're not a dive bar, but we're not a, we're not a scene bar per se. Um, we're, we are kind of a come as you are place. And with someone like Ali Khan, everybody who comes in can find something for them when they come into Buddha pub. Well, I I love that idea. And especially the idea of taking, brunch into a different direction. I mean, you guys have been doing that since you opened, really. I mean, brunch has been a pretty big part of the place. Yes. So, I mean, I'm, from from the beginning, you guys were doing scratch stuff. You were doing crosses on food that I found very interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a, lar- a large part, uh, you know, the... At that, when you're when you're getting into like you know the culinary aspect of it, like one of the things I just want to bring back with the remedy, what one of the coolest things about this event is that it's bringing together the things that we do well um, in Buddha Pub, and, and those things are of, uh, the food, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know uh, that that um, creative approach to using ingredients, styles. Um, things that you don't see in this area very often, um, or at least uh, things that, um, you know, bring in, you know, th- there is a diverse food scene in Rochester, but at the same time, um, we're almost a distillation of that um, diversity in, into into one menu, because you've got that um, almost farm-to-table approach in terms of quality of ingredients, um, in terms of meats, vegetables, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, and then you've got Ace's interpretation on, 
you know, buta being the Japanese word for pig, we, we do have that Asian bent, but it's not, that's far less restrictive than a lot of people think. A lot of people, when they th- hear Asian food, they think Chinese. They, they, for, you know, they think sushi or, or they think about it segmented in that way um, or, or even restrictive in that way. Whereas when Ace is developing the menu, you're, you're, you're drawn across. I don't hold any restrictions to anything anymore. One, I think that's kind of interesting because, I mean, my love, I love Asian cuisines, all the different ones, you know, from Korean to Thai to Viet. And there's so many things to take inspiration from. Yeah, it's a, a, a huge, uh, broad mess of flavor. And it's complex and can be really weird, especially to the to what I call the, the white person palate. <laughs> yeah, we go through that every day. Um, some guy stopped me in the dining room the other day and goes, can you explain this? I'm like, explain what? And he like points at the menu and I'm like, <laughs> what, this. what, this, I'm like, yeah. what do you need me to explain about a burger and fries? I mean, you know, we have, we have the normal stuff too for people that want normal food. And then we got, you know, the stuff that I get excited about and, you know, adventurous eaters would get excited about too. Absolutely. So I do. So one of the things that. Uh, got mentioned to me about the about the brunch event is trying to cross that world from the night before to the morning after. Oh yeah, sort of keeping keeping the keeping the vibe going with the music, and you know working on you know putting together a different menu for the event. Yeah, well the 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 menu it the remedy really comes from. The, like I said, the things we do well. So you got you've got the food. That's yep. that's that's the that's the building block, and the reason we're doing it as a brunch party. Um, it's something we found a lot of success with. Um, Asa had this great idea this past summer to do this. It was na- a, yeah, nineties hip hop brunch. Oh, that's awesome. That went over really really well, and then uh, we've done it twice now, and then I think you know this Ali Khan got involved with our our third rendition of that at Buddha Pub. Yeah. Um, well, like for that first one, um, where where it really took hold is that, you know, when you do when brunch parties are actually a thing um, elsewhere um, in. OK, uh, you can West Coast, East Coast, all, all these cities do it now where they have entertainment along with brunch. I mean, brunch isn't just, you know, mimosas and getting together um, and, you know, recovering from the night before. There are people that don't go out on Saturday nights. Um, because for a variety of reasons, one, they don't want to deal with the headache of going out and staying up till four in the morning. They don't, they're, they're not going out to get mashed. They're not going out to go to a dance club or maybe they have kids and they can't, and they want to be able to do something fun that engages, you know, that, that music funny bone that they may have. Um, and then, but, but aren't able to do it late night. And, and some people just don't, you know, they're not looking to do shots. They're looking to come yeah. in and have a good time. With that 90s hip-hop brunch, Asa came up with a really cool menu to play on that theme. Do you want to talk about some of those? Uh, yeah, it was, a, you know, we did, like, uh, plays off of 90s hip-hop, like uh, the T-Bone grape uh, jam and, what was it, scrambled eggs, cheesy eggs out of a, <laughs> it, was, it, was a it was a Biggie song. That's awesome. And then yeah, there were a couple other ones. I don't remember all of what they were right now. Yeah, but we but did. I mean, we did. Like, we did brass monkeys. We uh, and and what what our spin on the brass monkey was, and like like Ace is talking about the T Bone steak and and the and the and the purple 
T Bone Steak and Welch's Grape is yeah. I think the yeah. lyric. <laughs> and so in, in that, Asa did a T Bone Steak, but with a what was it? A grape? We did a grape, like pretty much a grape jam, and then did like cheesy scrambled eggs and toast, and it was like it was good. We sold a ton of them. Yeah, it was it was really good. And then like the Brass Monkeys, instead of doing, um, you know, forty. And, and orange juice. What we did is we got we got bombers from AJ's Beer Warehouse, and we had a whole bunch of beer craft beers on. So we were doing brass monkeys with craft beer and fresh squeezed orange juice. I mean, it was it was it was really fun. I mean, it it, it, it took it took you know that theme, and and then we were able to insert what we do well over it, and uh, people had a had a blast. I mean, we don't even have to do a dance uh, a dance floor or anything. People are just dancing in their seats, and it. I mean, it was just it was a riot. Yeah, it was. I mean, it kind of takes you know Saturday and Sunday morning and turns into something something fun. I mean, I I don't brunch is one of those things I don't get out for much. I kind of find a lot of it very boring. Mm. Um, you know, the standard stuff over and over again kind of gets to me. And I like the idea of doing something fun, trying something different. Um, so I just want to pivot off and let's let's talk about Buddha Pub for a while because this is you know how old now is this what? Three years now? Was it two or two three years? And two, two and some change. We two op- and change. We opened uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving of 2014. Okay. So, uh, we had our. We just celebrated our yeah two year anniversary um, this past Thanksgiving. So yeah, we're we're two two and a quarter almost. Yeah. Yeah. So before Buddha Pub started, so I know Asa has some history here in Rochester. Where where did you start cooking? Uh, my first job ever, or just Rochester? No, first job ever. First job ever was uh, Tillman's Village Inn. If you drive down Ridge Road towards Buffalo, you go right by it. It's it's directly north of Albion. That was my first job. I was 17 years old. Okay, you from that area? Yeah, I grew up in Albion. Yeah. Albion's kind of the middle of nowhere. Yep, and left there when I was 18, and I haven't even gone back to visit. Yeah, see, I was, I was in the Buffalo area when I grew up. South Towns, though. I was in scenic boston new york yeah so i definitely get the small town thing i'm kind of glad to not be not be around there anymore um at least full time <laughs> so so albion and you were was it like basically like a fam, family restaurant like a bar in kind of thing uh yeah it was they did uh they had prime ribs and uh a lot of fried food yeah, country country family style restaurant almost. Yeah, very 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 simple things. A lot of stuff I had to unlearn when I left to work in nicer restaurants. But other than that, it was it was an experience for sure. I'm sure it gets you used to the grind a little bit, though. Yeah, it was busy. I mean, they they packed out like 600 people on on those busy ass nights. But, wow. Uh, yeah, that's one of those volume places. My yep. fa- my family's from Medina, so I actually. Know that know that place real well. Medina is actually really interesting right now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, I'm actually fascinated about Medina specifically because of the Mexican stuff. Oh, Mexican, you name it. There's like really cool things happening. And and so, yeah, it's interesting to see because Medina is almost like a beacon of culture in in what we assume uh, to be a like a rural forget me town. Yeah. I mean, Um, there's and and there's a revival happening. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's there's it's. In a place where there's very little Mexican around, there's two roadside taco stands in Medina. Yep. Like true roadside taco stands. I've I've been there where I was the only white person, and there was a bus that parked in there. Yep. 
and mm-hmm. everybody comes off and everybody's eating tacos. It's amazing. I it's, loved it. It's uh, it's one of those interesting byproducts of the uh, migrant workers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that come through the area, and uh, and what's it's nice to see that many that there there's obviously a community that's taken root um, in the area and, and bringing their culture and uh, and cuisine to to an area that that. It's really appreciating it right now. Yeah, <laughs> not to mention shout out to shout out to the boys at Leonard Oaks. I mean, they're yep. killing it with the wine and cider over there. Yep, and A Ten Meadworks. Those guys are doing oh. some really cool. I, stuff I was too. in there right right after they opened. I was yeah. out there for for an event, and I tried the stuff right after they opened. It's I, I love to see small towns getting redeveloped, getting new business involved. It's it's really cool. Yeah, we I we've had. Leonard Oaks, those guys are doing really good stuff. Uh, their ciders, their steampunk cider. Steampunk's delightful. Oh yeah, we've the eloquence. Yep, that uh, one's fantastic. We, we've had the steampunk in Buda Pub. We're, we're, we're I'm hoping to get a little bit more uh, in there. Yeah, Leonard Oaks kind of opened up the Ni- the uh, Niagara Frontier wine region too. Absolutely, um, I feel like they're kind of on the vanguard of that. Um, and then um, uh, A10 Meadworks, like they'll reinvent your whole take on mead because it's not some cloyingly sweet thing i mean they're doing some really cool complex things you have that charred that charred honey one that they do no that sounds delightful though it's like jet black it's awesome oh that sounds fantastic (laughs) oh so pivoted out from albion and do you move to the big city of rochester after that no i moved to uh Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's a fantastic place. Yeah, right I now. was there for like three years. I went to culinary school there. I moved back to Rochester. It was right around 2000. Uh, my job, was, first job in Rochester was at Edwards. And then uh, I was there till like maybe six months before it closed. Now, what what was that? I'm... I, I got here. I got here in 2001, and I graduated college in 2005, and I didn't really start exploring till after that. Yeah, they were. They think they closed in like two thousand three. Um, it was uh, like it was fine dining, classic it, fine dining. But it wasn't. It wasn't good fine dining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in. It was. It was in the the age of uh, you know everything. I think they had four entrees that were served over risotto. Yeah, uh, you know, and. It was it was pretty pretty awful. Yeah, pretty specifically <laughs> for that time though, right? Yeah, but they had a claim to fame. I mean, I guess Julia Childs hung out there back when she was in the like the seventies. It had been around for like thirty years or something like that. Yeah, one of those establishments. Yep, and still serving stuff from you know, I think their their one appetizer that could never come off the menu was like duck confit wrapped in a crepe, covered with a some kind of. Uh, sauce that really wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds it sounds dated, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't really know any better back then, but it was horribly dated. Yeah. So fine, fine dining, old school fine dining, and yep. then what was after that? Uh, Sienna was after that. I started there as a sous chef and became the executive chef, and that was uh, that was a little more of the times. Little funner, little hipper. So where where was that? Where was that located? Again, the, you're that, touching on a lot of. In, Rochester it, has a weird dining scene. It's we've turned over a lot in it, the last 15 years. It was on the corner of uh, St. Paul and Andrews. Interesting, an area that you know wasn't changing at the time, but now is kind of again. Yeah, it was. It was uh, back then. It was. I don't know why the guy opened it there, but we did we did pretty good when uh, the the hotels were full. 
mm-hmm. and then we had a good name, I think, and we had a lot of people coming down and eating there, and uh, it was, it was, and then they opened Virtue. Oh, okay, I, I that I remember. Yep, and, and then that's, uh, that's in a that's in a location, uh, that's in the Cornhill Landing. Yep, and that's uh, next to where Tony D's is for people that don't know. Uh, it's the location right next to Tony D's that has been uh, a lot of things. It's West Edge now, I believe. It is West Edge right now, yep. Yeah, and then uh, that was that's my history. Then I, I wouldn't. I left for a little while again. I went to uh, New York City and then, then Philadelphia, and then I came back and uh, I started working at Max. So when you left, what what was your what was your goal when you got to New York and Philadelphia? Did you bounce around? Did you find Specific things there that were interesting to you? Uh, I went there to 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 actually, you know, see what it was like to work in nice restaurants. Yeah, I ended up at Eleven Madison Park. Uh, after a stage, they offered me a job, and I was there for a couple months. And then I moved to uh, Philadelphia. I actually was a chef at a little restaurant in Philadelphia called Meritage for a couple months. That didn't really work out. The owners were uh, difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up working for uh, Jose Garces, who was a Iron Chef, I think. I don't know if he still is. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I, I don't know if they they seem like they rotate a lot. Yeah, and uh, it I, doesn't have the same cachet as the original Japanese version. Oh, not at all. But oh, I I loved that so much. I used to watch that all the time at night. Yeah, me too. And then uh, yeah, that was uh, I worked at a place called Chifa, which was a Peruvian restaurant. And cool. It was the basis of that was Chinese and Peruvian cuisine and how they're mashed together in Peru. So we would do Chinese food and we would do like Peruvian food. That whole I'm going to take a pivot there for a second because that's one of those things that is almost pervasive right now around around the world is that cross between Chinese and the local food. Seems like it happens in Mexico. It definitely happens in India. I've had. I don't know. I forget what they call it, but but Chinese Indian food. Um, those crosses are fascinating. Yeah, it was because there were so many. I mean, I guess so many immigrants coming when it went to well, specifically Peru, that their they their their you know techniques they brought mixed mixed with uh, the local ingredients. I mean, South American cuisine. cooking versus you know crossing with Chinese techniques could be phenomenal. I mean, that's that's one of those things that. When you take it to like its natural extremes, like you know, using different techniques to cook traditional food, yeah, that's when fusion gets interesting. It's not, you know, let's slam some stuff together. Let's let no, let's, yeah, let's not mix uh, wasabi into our mashed potatoes and <laughs> just for the hell of soy it. Soy sauce into butter to make a beurre blanc, right? Yeah, that that's that's well, that that my my trip to Philadelphia and working there that's really what led me to like my. Enjoyment of Asian cuisine, yeah. and they have a great Chinatown. I got to eat a lot, a lot, a lot of great restaurants. See, I, I didn't know, you know, I haven't spent any time in Philly. I didn't know they had a, a Chinatown section. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I love Chinatowns. Oh yeah, I mean, those. It's a great way to just walk around and eat. Yep. I mean, you walk around. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to speak the language. They don't need to speak English. You look around. You find the places that are busy. You walk in and you point at things, and you'll get some deliciousness. Uh-huh. I, I love doing that. It's one of those. If you want to explore using food, that's it's the best way. It's so much fun. Well, um, I mean, you brought you brought some of Philly here uh, to the Buddha Pub menu with the uh, bulgogi 
with the bulgogi uh, cheese cheesesteak whiz with. <laughs> that's that's a fun, it's a fun <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, the well, the, there's two uh, cheesesteak places in Philadelphia. Both of them, when you order your cheesesteak, if you want it, what the way you're supposed to have it is with onions, which is the with, and then whiz, which is cheese whiz. Yeah. So yeah, we do. I I did that here and. Uh, actually, it was corrected one day when I wasn't at work because somebody thought it was a typo. Oh no, it's a wit. <laughs> and so uh, no. wit wit. Come on now. I, I have to. Know, I, I've never had an authentic, authentic Philly cheesesteak. Neither so have I. Truthfully, Asa, Asa <laughs> made sure I knew what that meant. Now, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've never even been there, and I know the nomenclature. Come on. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned you mentioned the Max Group. And I, I do want to pivot into Asian in a minute, but I think the Max the Max Group of Restaurants has kind of been one of those incubators here in Rochester. A lot of talented people have come out of that. Uh, yeah, back in, I mean, I don't know. It's it's fallen off a little bit, but like in 2005, 2006, like there wasn't a chef at a new restaurant that was opening that didn't work at Max or the Rio Bamba. Right. Like everybody, everybody went through that kitchen. Um <clears throat> And I think even even now a lot of people go through it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I mean, um, you know, one of the guys I knew best because I, I kind of got started in this whole thing when the food truck scene popped in Rochester, and was uh, you know Paul Roman, one of the, one of the guys I really respect for what he's for what he's done. I mean, I loved Aunt Rosie's when it was open. Brick and Motor was my jam, and. You know, that's that's why I heard about you for the first time was when he was talking about what you were doing and some of the stuff you were because um, you were at different. Where were you in the Max Group? I was. I did. Uh, I did Eastman Place. I did uh, when they were at the gallery. I ran that for almost three years, and then uh, <clears throat> I ended up at the Chop House. Okay, which still one of the best service experiences I ever had was there. Yeah, that place is that place is awesome. Yeah. Twelve twelve tables and you know, you get to in the kitchen we got to take care of the customers and the servers got to take care of the customers. Yeah. Well there's there's something to be said for that old school service. I don't want it all the time. But when I got there, I I just remember the server I had read the table perfectly. Yeah. It's kind of a lost art reading a table and really understanding how to treat that person that night. There were some phenomenal, phenomenal servers there. Yeah, so and then you pivoted from there to to Budapub, like like Evan was saying, has a distinctly Asian vibe to it, although maintains a you know, kind of a approachability as well. Yep, that's what we wanted to do from from the the conceptualization of that restaurant was to be you know your local neighborhood pub. Yeah, with but you know uh, with uh, just the food to be a little a, a step above. Yeah, so I mean, the things that, like, for those that aren't super familiar with, you know, some of the techniques and thoughts, I mean, you use a fair amount of, you know, Korean techniques, you know, you've got your Korean fried chicken wings. Yep. Which, very specific technique. Yeah, they're, uh, well, a lot of people think that the Korean wings are double fried, that's not, doesn't always have to be the case. I, I do a, I do a very light batter made with uh, lots of booze. Mm-hmm. So it gets really crispy on the outside, and it keeps a chicken wing nice and moist on the inside. Which is, by the way, I mean, it sounds weird when he says it, but 
Why why does that work? Uh, the alcohol evaporates like super fast, faster than water would, and uh, it, it gets all the moisture out of your batter faster, which makes it crispier. Because that's the hardest thing when you're putting anything in a pan, in a fryer, is evaporation. Right. And that's one of those techniques that it sounds weird, but you know, using hard alcohol in the batters is phenomenal for that crispy, craggly texture for the sauces to stick to. Yeah, I mean, a simple technique to like get a better sear on anything is to pat it dry first. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, especially when you slap it down and it's just, you're getting that, and it's not caramelization, don't use it's the word. It's Maillard reaction. You are browning, you are Maillard reactioning. Yep. I don't know if you want to use that as a verb, Maillard reactioning. <laughs> <laughs> but makes such a difference. It gets you that hard, crunchy crust with all those developed flavors instead of overcooked meat. Right. Um, so we talked, you know, we're talking, and I just want to go through some of the techniques because I find them interesting. Um, another one, obviously, other Korean influence you do, um, you know, some things with kimchi in it. Right. I uh, Kimchi is one of my favorite vegetables. Uh, oh, it's so good. So I, just by default, it, I mean... Even though it's on, I mean, sometimes now I gotta edit myself because it's on the menu in like so many places. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna make these steam buns. I'll put kimchi in. Oh right, I can't kimchi in everything. <laughs> so yeah, it's like that. That's my dilemma now. And there's, you know, it's really good for the like the the poutine uh, has it in it, and I, I'm I'm putting it in the ramen. I'm in the next iteration of the ramen is gonna have kimchi. Yeah, a nice. Uh, I'm not gonna. Spill all the details. It'll have kimchi in it. Yeah. Kimchi well, and lots of garlic. There's so many different ways you can use it, too. I mean, it's when you hear kimchi, it's not one thing. I no, mean, it, it's a technique to, to preserve vegetables. Yeah. I've had it where it was scallions. It was kimchi cured scallions. It yeah. was, I've had ones that are super funky, you know, tons of fish and tons of dried shrimp and really funky and crazy, crazy dank. You've you've done when we had you've when we have the banchan on you've had oh you had the collard greens you had we we had probably right I mean we did I'd have done like the collard green kimchi we did put like dry shrimp in that one nice um I like collard greens stand up to that kind of flavor too they're assertively flavored greens oh yeah and then uh, right now I mean I still have ramp kimchi in my in my walk in oh. where you know we toss in a, every specials from time to time that sounds delightful yeah it's been a it's a fun, fun. It's just like pickling. Yeah, really. I mean, it's not that not, not that much different. Well, we make it, we make a lot of pickles, but yeah, I mean, we we just we treat kimchi the same way. Well, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that you know I don't necessarily expect everybody to make their own kimchi, but when you do, you've got that freedom to play around with it a little bit. Try things like collard greens. Yeah, and really put your you can really customize your flavor profile because it's so versatile. Well, and there's different degrees, like within kimchi, of the fermentation pickling process. I mean, most of the kimchi's we do in the restaurant are almost like almost more of a quick pickle compared to. Yeah, the, the our main one is a is a quick pickle. Oh, for sure. Uh, just because I don't have enough space <laughs> of the right temperature to to uh, right to make it what I need. So that that's done. Uh, that's a quick pickle, but the other ones, the specialty ones, were all like a, a, at least four or five days ferment. Awesome. Something usually. I mean, they're just we would soak it in, soak the whatever it was in salt water, pull it out, mix everything together, 
pack it into a container and let it ferment. Yeah. Yeah, I've been messing around with fermentation this last summer. I started, uh, I did my own hot sauce, which was fun. Um, you know, did a couple day ferment on the counter. I messed around with pickles. And it's one of those things that it kind of seems intimidating until you just read the, you just make it and it sits there. Yeah, you mix salt and water together and you let it go. <laughs> let the good stuff happen. Yep. As long as your salt levels are high enough, everything's pretty good. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then I kind of want to get into ramen because that's, I find the topic fascinating. So take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'd like to take a second to tell you about a new Rochester based website called Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. Frankly is a one-stop shop to find out where your favorite restaurants source their ingredients and also a great way to see who carries that coffee you love or who uses the best bread for their sandwiches. Frankly is the perfect tool to find the information you need about the food and drink you love. That's P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. So while we were in our break, we were, you know, busting the balls of general food trends. And one of the things that obviously came up was bone broth. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, bone broth has been around for forever now. It's that's, stock. That's why chicken soup makes you feel so good when you're, yeah. when you're, when you're not feeling well. And I just, it's stock, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that when people brought it up, it's like, bone broth. I mean, yeah, you, are you eating good soup? You're eating bone broth. This right. is this is what it is. It just has vegetables in it. Are you eating good ramen? You're eating bone broth. Which is kind of why it came up because I want to talk about ramen. And the way I got into it is, you know, it is the assertive bone broth of um, you know, pork bone ramen. Yep. Um, which oh wow, I'm it's not on the tip of my tongue. I sukaman ramen is on the tip of my tongue, which is certainly not that. Because that's a whole different thing. Um, why am I forgetting the name? The Tonkatsu? Tonkatsu ramen, yes, that is. And I think uh, that, that's how I first tried it was in, was in Boston at an uh, Asian food court called Super 88. And ev- they had every, every single area was represented with a different stand in this uh, food court. And it was the first place I tried... Um, I tried dulsat bibimbap there for the first time, Korean food, and it was the first time I had tried um, pork bone ramen. And I've had a hankering for ramen ever since. And that's something you guys do at Budapub is ramen. Yeah, since day one we've done doing ramen. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I still think people don't fully appreciate for how diverse... And how, I mean, it's really pervasive in Japan. I mean, it's so regional, too. Yeah, it's very regional. And there's so many different styles from, like, from the, from, you know, like the Tonkatsu broth, which is boiled. So those uh, fats and, you know, marrow come out of the bones and they get emulsified into the stock. And so you almost end up with, like, this cloudy, almost, like, thick broth, which is what we do, for the most part, try to do at uh, Buddha Pub. And then you know, there's from from them. Uh, it's uh, yeah, from the top of Japan to the bottom. There's like so many different styles. Yeah, I mean, you've got salt broth, you got the shio broth, you've got the the soy broths. Um, 
uh, I think that's a shoyu broth. I mean, there's there's all different kinds. You can do vegetable. You can do chicken. You can do anything you want. Seafood, be, yeah. Oh, huge seafood. Yep. Um, and you know, you're bringing in the seaweed. You're bringing the other stuff. You can build up all these flavors. The options are almost limitless, but it's all about balance. I mean, ramen's a balanced dish. In the end, it's the balance between you know how is your broth seasoned? What kind of vegetables are you using? What kind of uh, accoutrement do you have for it? Um, and stuff like that. I mean, it really does. You can be super creative. It's this amazing blank palette. Yeah, you can do anything you want with it. We've done, I mean, a lot of different ramens at Buddha Pub. Uh, the one that's stuck, although I'm going to change it, is <laughs> uh, it was uh, we do like a miso gochujang, like tare, and it's like spicy and uh, salty and delicious. I mean, miso is such a great base yeah. for cooking. And if you are vegan, it's almost essential that you learn how to use miso properly. Because, I mean, like, yeah, that, that's like the most umami you're going to get. It's amazing. And it's outside of, uh, you know, pork fat. Yeah. Well, I mean, that it's so for those that aren't aware, it's fermented beans, typically soybeans, but you can get it in all sorts of different places. Uh, small, world, small World Food makes it locally with, you know, black beans and red beans and all, all sorts of stuff. Um, but you can get it so intensely salty and umami, adding it to your stocks is, it's just a flavor boost. It's almost an instantaneous flavor boost. Oh, yeah. Um, especially when you're trying to get those developed flavors. And if you're, and if you're cooking vegan, I mean, you can build these deep, rich, meaty broths without any meat at all. And miso, you've used in a lot of different contexts, too. I mean, we, you know, it's not just in the broths. I mean, right now we've got a, a buttermilk dipping, like a, it's almost like a ranch a miso buttermilk dipping sauce that we use for the Korean fried chicken. I mean, it's a versatile, Ooh. versatile yeah. flavor profile. Yeah. That sounds awesome. That's a great idea. Get that little funky tinge to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so but back to the ramen. Yeah, back to the ramen. Back to noodles. So, yeah, and that's the other thing is one of the things that makes ramen ramen is the noodles. Yes, and it is. So why, why don't you talk about noodles for a minute, sir? Uh, we've been making our own noodles at Buddha Pub since uh, probably our second week. Uh, I tried to get them from Sun Noodle, but no one ever called me back. So I decided to make my own. Uh, I do. It, it's been a co- not constant. I think they're pretty good right now, but yeah. we, I mean, gram to gram, we have done probably 112 variations. Right now, there's uh, we do vital wheat gluten, cake flour, Double O flour. Uh, we take baking powder and we dry it out in the oven for a couple hours to make to make our own kansui. Because so uh, explain explain what that is and why why we're doing that. That is an alkaline. It gives the uh, the noodles their 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 chewiness and it's that bounce. And when when yep. you bite into a ramen noodle specifically, it's not like biting into any spaghetti. It's got this. This bounce and chewiness to it. It's even though it's fully cooked, it's still al dente. Yeah, it, it always has that al dente ness, but it's it's very specific. And it, when you when it's perfect in the broth, and you you've got that texture in there, it really balances out the broth. Yep. And then uh, 
then I guess that started in Japan because they're they were using you know water that was naturally alkaline from like the surrounding springs or whatever like mm-hmm. that to and then then yeah and then you can do the same thing uh, with by turning your baking powder to a little basier mm-hmm. and then you know then it goes into a pasta uh, extruding machine and comes out we portion it and there you go so. You spent a lot of time simply getting the diameter of the noodles right. Yeah, yeah. That was something we were waiting on a part after part in order to get the exact right diameter of the noodles. And everyone, everyone is an expert on ramen, apparently. <laughs> oh, you know, everybody, every, everybody has the, you know, this is an authentic, doesn't taste like top ramen, you know, and it was really kind of frustrating and irritating for a long time. Well, I'd imagine, because it's, I mean, when you put that time and effort... It's a crazy thing to do to formulate your own ramen from scratch at a full-size restaurant level having and going through that learning process through the whole time. It's that's a crazy thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it that's you're right. It, and it, I love it was that. crazy and but it was it's ballsy too yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it's it's one of those things um you know Asa, Asa from day 1 and and you know we we you and I have even gotten in uh, Asa, you and I, have, he, he and I have gotten into it too because I'm like, why don't you just make your life easier on yourself? Why do you have to do it this way? Because, and you know, that's the way it's, it should be done, right? That's and why. I and love that answer too. I mean, that's <laughs> it, it's it's not a it's not a fun answer, but it's sometimes that is just it. It's the way it needs to be done to be right. Yeah, I mean, we we make the, I mean, we make almost everything at Buddha Pub, the noodles, the bread. And it's just because I have complete control from start to finish. Yeah, and I and it, the cost me in labor. Would it would it equal out if I bought it? It, it might, but I just want to say I made it. Yeah, and you also get it your way. Yeah, yeah. And if you want your bread a little bit different, you want a little sweeter, you want a little saltier. You um, don't have to beg somebody to do it your way. Right. The bread from uh, from Frawler City Bakery is delicious. It's amazing. It's also expensive. Yeah, I mean Keith's making an amazing product, and he char- Yeah, but that's. I mean, I would. It's expensive I, for sure. That's why uh, you know we make uh, we make our bon mi rolls now. You know, yeah, which we, is which is such a specific. Like, it's it, another one of those things. I love bon mi, and it, the traditional bread is so specific. Yeah, it's not really everybody. You know, the, like everybody's. I could get you know just a really good demi baguette. Yeah. But it's not really a baguette. You no, know, it's, it's like a sub roll, but a little crustier. Yeah, it's it's a weird cross between. It has roots in baguette, obviously. Yeah, you know the Vietnamese food has a lot of French ties to it. Um, but and it has baguette ties, but it's not. It's you're right. It's a little bit softer. Yeah, it's got to be light and airy, but still crispy on the outside. So specific, and when uh, when we when we nail it at Buddha Pub, I think it's pretty damn good. Nice, yeah. We, I mean, we've we've that's another thing that evolved though. I mean, we started out, uh, started out with Dragon Sweetie. Oh, that and she, was, which I I really liked her. She yeah. was she we, was a delightful girl. We miss her. <laughs> and you I know mean, what? It's, she just did some really great things. It's it's unfortunate. It was so, it was a great idea. I love the idea of French crossed with you know Chinese baking. Um, it was a great idea. And actually, I thought a lot of her stuff was pretty tasty. Really good. Do you ever have the red the red bean croissant that she made? I did. It was a great oh. idea. Yeah, I mean that's, but that's but that's the kind of 
that's not fusion for fusion's sake. No, it's fusion for this is going to be delicious. Let right. me do it. Right, absolutely. And that's that's when I love it. And it was a shame because it's you know it was it's kind of the perils of being in the running your own food business kind of thing. You've got demand and you don't have the labor or you don't know how to you don't know how to run a business. Yeah, well, it's she, a shame. She was she was scaling up. We I mean it was it was sad that it didn't work out for her. I mean um I think it had more to do with I think she she just without getting too much into it, I just don't think that she was able to do it personally anymore. Yeah, and it's oh, yeah. it's it's hard. I mean it's it's a hard business on everybody. Mm. Um but you know, I, I like that you've taken that on to try and make specific things for specific applications, not just forcing what's available into what you can do. Right. And, and let's be very clear here. Bakers are the craziest people, and this guy just decided he needed to add <laughs> that layer <laughs> on top. Yeah. No big deal. No big deal. Let's just break three or four different kinds of things. You don't do your own steam bun dough, do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that I use the recipe I got from Chifa in, uh, in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, another, it's another specific dough that it has to be – it's – yeah, it's a, it's very specific, and it's you can't reuse it for something else. And it's one of those th- like it's mild. Like it, I think it's probably maybe the, the aside from the noodles that we make, it's it's the other thing where it's the starkest difference. Our steam buns, um, the the buns itself compared to what you can get elsewhere. Yeah, what you can get, what you can buy at the store, what you can what you can source. I mean, there isn't a there isn't a local bakery that's doing steam buns. No, not that I've found. No, no, and, not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, the, maybe I think every. Well, I, I don't know if everybody, but most people get them from the freezer section at least. Right, or I wonder if Asia Food Market maybe try them every so often. But even then, they're probably they, they don't they don't make them. There, there is one bakery doing like the the stuffed. Uh, Chinese bakery buns stuffed with like the chicken and the yeah, pork. Yeah, that's and Asia, stuff like Asia that. Food Market. It's yeah. the only. Yep. It's the only Chinese bakery in town. Yep. actually, beautiful setup. It's really nice. I love it's that story. One of the actually, nice, really one of the nicest it. setups I've seen <laughs> in anywhere. I mean, in Toronto or Boston or San Francisco, that setup they have is that's really a, nice. It's a. It's a. They're a pro retail operation. I mean, Absolutely, those guys know what they're doing. That place is real deal. I, yeah. I love that place. They, and, I mean, we've 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 sourced some things from there before, but yeah. yeah, even they don't make like the, the steam buns that they have. They're they're only the frozen ones that you the, that you get in. I mean, they're they're you know it's a decent product, but sure. it's no like it's miles different. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and, and even even in their best state, they're you know the handmade quality that goes into the steam buns. Yeah. Well. I'm going to pivot off of you for a minute, Mr. Asa. Okay. <laughs> he's leaning back now. He he feels like he's done his job. I'm going to uh, let Evan throw in a little bit here. And I kind of want to hear about where, where you came from. Well, uh, I, uh, I'm i the least interesting <laughs> restaurant person you'll ever meet. I, I started life... Um, I mean, I've worked in, re- in, in the food service industry since I was 15. My first job was at the McDonald's. I grew up in Greece. Um at Ladda Long Pond, and um, you know, I've, I've been front of the house my whole career, so I'm not um, not somebody that can speak to the intricacies of of food the way Asa can. Um, I got into this um, my previous career. I was a copywriter and and worked for the Buffalo News, worked for um, for a web development agency, and then uh, those 
opportunities dried up with the uh, with the recession, the Great Recession. You know, it's it's it tends to be one of those things that comes up when I talk to people. Is everything changed in two thousand nine? And me being an English major, uh, that's why I'm in the restaurant industry. <laughs> so that's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I got into that's that's why I ended up in it. I, I started um, picking up serving. You know, my first job was at McDonald's. I worked at the Radisson downtown, did a lot of catering um, and that sort of things. Um, and then uh, spent a year at the uh, RIT uh, School of Hospitality. I worked in that department, um, got some really great exposure, learned a lot, actually, from uh, from from that from that department, even though I wasn't a student in the department, obviously helping the professors there, uh, learning a lot about about the industry there. I helped open Pier 45 um, back when that was developed way back when. Which was a really interesting restaurant. I mean, it was yeah. right, on, um, right on the water. Yep. And it was kind of when that thing was... It was popping. That that area was popping for a few minutes. It, they, they had something there, but it, I, I feel like between... Like the, that whole marina complex from the fast ferry. My sister worked on that. Um, Such a shame. I know there were like there were, there was all this potential in the world, but like small decisions that could have led to good things weren't made. Yeah, and um, these small decisions that were made, you know, in year, you know, before it even opened, all of a sudden steamrolled into a big problem later on and oh. it just became unsustainable. It's such a shame. But Pier Forty Five, when it was there, even after the ferry uh, shut down. You know, it was a really good place. It wasn't another place like it in Rochester. It no. really, really capitalized on what we had down in the marina. Uh, but it was, uh, I got to work under uh, Ron Beck and Joe Floriano from the convention center. And say what you will about the Rochester Convention Center, they they know how to run an operation. Sure. Um, really, really well done. Um, Ron was, um, you know, uh, he he's one of the better mentors that I've had. Um, especially, um, I learned, you know, obviously, especially in this industry, you learn a lot by clashing and, um, and, and he did, but we worked through it and he, and he's, he's one of the bosses that taught me, um, how to do that. Well, I think it's one of those important things that for me was kind of a life lesson was the ability in a couple different ways for somebody to, for somebody to be jovial and to bust you up a little bit. Yep. And also if somebody's yelling at you to take it to internalize what you need to internalize, throw the rest away, and move on. Everything's going to be fine right? most of the time. Right. Yeah. Well, especially as long as you respond. Because somebody, yeah. somebody with experience the way Ron has, um, you know, they're, they're demanding more of you. And as long as you take that from it, you will always, you can only get better because you're expected to be, you're expecting more to be demanded of you. Um but anyway, so there's Pier 45, and after that, I was at RIT, um, and then um, and then I was my my sister uh, was the event coordinator at Max, and that's how Ace and I met through the Max Empire. Gotcha. Um, I was a, uh, a one of the banquet manager captains, what have you. Tony wasn't much for uh, Tony Galacy, who's our, our boss, wasn't much for titles, but uh, <laughs> um, I it, it was it was working at Max was a godsend because it was um, everybody there had to basically know how to do everything and that's something that um you know th while there's a lot to be said for you know very defined roles in corporate structure cross training and knowing how to handle a situation especially in the hospitality industry where it doesn't matter if you're a server a cook a host a busser what have you the customer is always looking at you as though you are 
you know everything. Right, you are the answer. It doesn't matter yeah. if you don't know. You got to find out the answer, and you got to know how to handle it. Um, so I actually spent um, f- through the five years that I was at Max, um, primarily on the events side. Um, that's how Ace and I worked together. We we worked together at the Mag, um, uh, doing you know doing catering, and 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 there would be days I would fill in in the in the restaurant in the Mag. Um, God, how many events have we done together? We've probably done we've done hundreds of events together. Um, and that's, and that's how, at the time, that's where the, the genesis of the Buddha pub idea came in. And Asus said that he, uh, had an opportunity to open his own place. And there's literally no other chef that I would have made the leap <laughs> that I did to go, to go in, to, to go. I was in a, I, I was really in a good position. At right. Max. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like it was one of the, you know, they, tr- they, they, they treated me well there. They treated my family well there. And I wouldn't have made the leap had it not been with Asa. Um, kicked around the idea, and I, I, just, I just told him, whatever, whatever needs to be done, I'm with you. I will help you open up whatever. Yeah. And it I mean, just went from there. I mean, you guys took over a space that was, you know, a space that was other things before it. Right. And a space that, I mean, you have, you have the space that is – is Buddha pub now, but you, the German house part of it, that's a big space. And a, a, I mean, it's Meaningful got historic, it's got place. historic in the name of it. Absolutely. Which is a little bit grandiose, but I mean, um, well, you know, you know, we, we're actually the ones who added the historic, I mean, like, um, <laughs> the, bef- you know, it was, the building was built in 1908 and it's been, it, it was built in 1908 as, as uh, St. Boniface parish hall. Um, it was, uh, uh, since then, it then evolved into a a, ger- a German Catholic church. Then it involved, uh, you know, f- fell under hard times and was brought back to life. Um, and then in the eighties, um, it was all but condemned. And our landlord, Ron Mayer, he owns Kenrod Heating and Cooling. He purchased the building in in eighty seven, renovated, saved this 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 building that really uh, over the hundred eight year history that it has um, has been a lot of things to a lot of people. I mean, there's. You know, my my grandparents went to dances there. You know, if you're <laughs> from Rochester, you know somebody that went to a concert there, got married there, had something there. Um, it's it it really, you know, architecturally, it's not the you know, it's not as meaningful as you know, say, I don't know, name name an architectural landmark in Rochester. It's sure, not sure. as meaningful as the George Eastman House per se, but it has it has an equally vibrant history. But it's more of the people. Than, than many of the other buildings that are that are in in town, and you know as we were scouting out restaurant spaces, um, you know we looked at we looked at the place like where Mamasan's was. We looked where Orbs is now, which and, is an interest. That Mamasan's location is really interesting. It's a shame that there's a lot of opportunity there still, right? But I don't think they've really hasn't really turned out yet. I think that corner is going to be one of the bigger beneficiaries of the Interloop fill-in. I and, hope so because I I love that corner right yeah. there. I mean, right near, you know, it's Maine and and University, and it's it's got a lot of traffic, but it's it would be different traffic now. Well, than and, it and, used and, to be. and the ability to stop because like yeah. with the interloop there, I mean, there it's not like there was it's not like that was that was just a it was almost just a simple thoroughfare. It wasn't a it's not a place you can stop. Um, and, and not walkable either. But now that they're doing that project, but anyway, we were looking at all these at at all these spaces and the German house popped up. And that's when I, that's when I knew I was going to do more than just help Ace open a restaurant. I wanted to be a part of it. Um, I worked there. I worked at 
quote unquote worked at the, for the first time at the German house when I was 13. Uh, my mom sent me there uh, to uh, to help out um, just to keep me out of trouble. And I, you know, I've, I've seen God so many shows there from Victor Wooten to um, to a punk show to to whatever. And and I remember when it was Roarbox was founded there. Um, oh, that's and, right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like where our pool lounge is now is where they had their original. Um, what are they from? What do they call them? Uh, the tanks, the, yeah, the, tank, the tanks yeah. that they had. Yeah, um, they uh, and and I remember from when it was Roarbox, and then it was the Keg, and it was you know this sports bar that had a, a reputation <laughs> of things, <laughs> and then because uh, I don't know anybody who went there when they were in college, certainly not. <laughs> that, no, nobody ever did. No, no, no. no. Very, uh, we're all responsible. Hundred percent. No one, no one started drinking before twenty one. <laughs> but uh, the um, and then there was Zeppa there before us, and those guys were doing a really, really interesting uh, concept, but uh, in a in a space. That uh, maybe maybe wasn't the right fit for a fine dining restaurant. Well, Those I, guys were good. I think that's what you guys did best was take the space and it's a it's a weird downstairs basementy mm-hmm. kind of place, but you guys turn it into a vibe that doesn't feel basementy, although you know it's it's not it's not big it's not airy right. But it kind of suits what you're trying to do. It's got, I mean, it's kind of the name. It is a pub right, except for everything's done in house. And you're baking four or five different kinds of bread every day. Well, you know, no big deal. I want to make clear we're not a gastropub. <laughs> is is that was we, that a point of contention? Asa? We we strive to be a gastropub. I uh, <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. Well, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that people bandy about um, as hey, we're opening a gastropub. Well, but it, it's a lot. I mean, to do it to do everything the right way. That's that's the ideal of what that place is is. The food everybody knows and loves done to the tens, you know, from top to bottom. And it, you know, and, you know, just it, it sounds like it's semantics, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we're gastropub in the true sense of the word is not what we are. I mean, we're doing some advanced food things sure. and trying to make it as, as great as experience as we can. But, um, you know, just just like anything, it's, it's real easy to dilute um, a term, if you sure. will. Um, and, you know, while while we're not a gastropub, you certainly can get you know a top flight meal um, and that kind of thing. But getting back to <laughs> getting back to why Buddha Pub is the way it is right now, um, I you know we we went in there and and when it was Zeppa, I mean those guys those guys did a lot laid a lot of the backbone that made Buddha Pub even possible mm-hmm. um, because before before the Zeppa guys were even there, they um, they had to correct a lot of the things as this building was. Um, it had signs of indeed. disrepair when I was in yeah. there before. It, it it needed it needed some TLC, and those yeah. guys did a lot to to get it where it was. And and you know, restaurants ha- are one of the hardest industries to to cultivate and grow into something um, that that's sustainable. And uh, fortunately, because of the work they did, we were able to take that and and um, you know, it took a little bit more than a fresh coat of paint, but we were able to go in there and do something. Because um, we had this such a such a really great canvas to work on, and that's where Buddha Pub became. We we knew we needed to make it warm, comfortable, cozy, and we did. As you know, even though it's not this huge open space, it's a big space, and we need it to is. Make it's sure. deceivingly big, right? And that's why that's why when you come in, you know, it's segmented off in certain ways. Like you got the lounge, and you got the pool lounge. Excuse me, and then you got the bar. We actually had to expand the bar. I'm so glad that we did. Now that we have some of the events we have down there now. I mean, it really when it's when it's popping, that bar is 
you're, you're too deep all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, but but we made it so that there's a place to go. That's where the lounges come in. And, and um, you know, the Buddha Pub space is miles different from the auditorium space. The auditorium space still has that character. Sure. Um, through working with Groove Juice Swing, who are the other tenants, we were able to make a great relationship with them. We were able to restore the hardwood floors that were up there. Um, and we're constantly doing more to improve the German house space. We put... Uh, working with our landlord, we were able to get some chandeliers that um, uh, often uh, repurposed from another venue. Awesome. Um, that uh, that suit the venue perfectly. Uh, we've got a really great uh, sound guy, Nick Marinaccio from from Nazareth, actually, who uh, has our sound system. And so the the German house, our goal is to make that a seven day a week building. Um, you know, we we actually now have to build in little layoffs for ourselves like that's why we're not open for sunday dinner we keep thinking about it because we get a lot of calls and every time we have a (laughs) private event and the light one light might be on somebody's coming in and we'll have and we'll have to be like uh no we're not open but no don't worry we'll sell you a drink anyway don't worry about it (laughs) so like uh we you know it's it's one of those things like it was just this it's such a meaningful community building people it didn't even matter that they were that that Budapub was there. The traffic is there because people are like, oh, it's the German house. Maybe they'll serve German food. And we're like, sorry to let you down, but you should see what we have. And 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 now like, especially now that we're we're well into we're into year three now of of our existence, you know, we're um instead of people thinking of the German house as a German restaurant, as it was with like Rohrbox down under, I mean, when it was a German community center, we're able to build our own little history there. Um, and people are able to say, you know, that place Budapub down there is not at all what you'd expect. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, and, and the best thing that has actually ever been said about us is that you don't know what's going to happen when you go in there, but they mean it in a good way on a, on a given night. You can, you can come in and, you know, we're doing, we're doing wing specials or taco specials, but there's, there's some random band jamming on the stage and at, at eight o'clock, but guess what? At 10 o'clock, the lights go down and all of a sudden it's this crazy dance party, dance club, or, um, you know, we've, or on Tuesdays, you know, you'll go in there and there's all these artists with easels painting. We, because the space is so big, we, you can't, if Buddha pub were in a smaller space, we'd be living just off the beer and food, but because it's the German house, we have to, and, and it's so big and we have to keep it so active. Um, we, we have to have all these kinds of events and, and it kind of, the concept evolved organically. I mean, aside from aside from the concept, the food concept that we had, um, everything else that we're doing kind of just spoke to the people that were coming in and how we could keep these people coming back in. Yeah, we want we wanted to do something for the community, and it seems like the community's really, you know, bought into that. Yeah, you know, with the events, with the trivia, with all the other stuff. I mean, it really people really respond to the events, and that's kind of that's kind of what everybody always hopes for. You know, real engagement. Trivia was one of the biggest surprises for us. I mean, we did that from the moment we opened. We were like, oh, well, you know, the old toad does a really good trivia night. We got to do trivia. Who's going to run it? And uh, I don't even remember how how we got on their radar. But all of a sudden, Geeks Who Drink, we had a conversation with them. And they're like, what now you want to do on Thursdays? And that's like the one thing that has not changed at all since yeah. we opened was the Thursday night trivia. And it's 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 been great and fun and um I think, like honestly, uh, last last we checked, I mean, I think we're the largest regular trivia night. That's not the old Toad. We're the largest geeks who drink trivia night in the area. That's awesome. Um, like you know, we average twenty two teams, and that's like wow. A, 
some of some of our special theme trivias have been some of the largest in the country. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's. But again, that speaks to that speaks to the engagement. That speaks to the fact that you know you're doing it, but you're carrying the other stuff along with it that people want to get to. They they want the you know the Asian flair. They want the they want the house made. They want community engagement. Yeah. And I mean that's and that's what we're talking about with the with the remedy. Yep. Uh, and I'm wrapping it, back up into that. No, <laughs> oh, no, and that's okay. I mean, but that that's where it came from. And and I'm just going to go back to trivia for two no, seconds. Go for it, please. It'll, but uh, please, like with trivia, I mean, w- the people that come to trivia, they come every week. I mean, they are intensely loyal. I mean, we have we have one table that comes in and, and makes they request the same server every time, and they bring our cookies every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> They're great. We love them. Don't um, tell so, Scotty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we. Uh, but we're doing, you know, like little things like that. We're we're adding more to it. Like we every every Thursday now we have, we always bring in. Um, we started it uh, just before the new year. We always have a spirit or, or beer or wine tasting. So people that are coming in for trivia, this is like something free we can give you. Please, please keep coming back. Um, we always have a free show that now. From trivia, we go into a, a concert. We always have a residency with a band. I mean, just just stuff to keep people engaged and and you know not to make it feel like the same thing. I mean, trivia is fun and you get a lot of, a lot of people that that want to come into trivia regularly, but they still got to come into Buddha Pub regularly. And we want the we want people to feel as though Buddha Pub is bringing them something new every time that they come in, so that you know you don't feel like oh we're going to the German house oh. I, I don't need to have a burger this week. You know, it's 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 something that you can go in and and find something new and but you can still find a standard that you love. Nice. Um but that but that's where the remedy comes in. The same thing with our brunch. I mean, we we've, we've got a, lo- a loyal brunch following um but the remedy being that we're having it every single month. Um you know that every month we're going to be doing something really cool with with Ali Khan like, you know, taking this this first remedy this is just to set the tone and then we're going to start evolving that concept um depending on you know could be current events it could be you know what we decided we're going to celebrate the cure yeah. um and and do a cure themed remedy brunch or something i mean there's no reason not to be <laughs> yeah no reason not to be diverse no reason not to try different things out yep and i'm excited to check it out guys um, let's, uh, let's, uh, throw some plugs in there. So, um, the remedy is this weekend, the yep. 29th and the 30th. Yep. Um, uh, no, it's the remedy itself with Ali Khan is Sunday. Is Sunday. Okay. Yep. That's the 30th. That's the 30th. And then, uh, we have, we do have brunch Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. Um, and, uh, Buddha pubs plugs. I mean, where can they, where can they find you? So buddhapub.com. You can find us on Instagram at Buddha pub, Twitter at Buddha pub, uh, Facebook, um, all all our social media is uh, real active, and that's actually the best place to find out. Uh, social media is on, honestly the first place I would recommend people going to find out everything that we have going on. Um, Facebook, in particular, for events. Instagram, if you want to see our specials. Um, Budapub.com um, has our has our menu um, and and our calendar of upcoming events. Historicgermanhouse.com is actually the the is going to be the the place uh, to find out about the events that we have going on uh, going forward. That uh, that website launches uh, Wednesday of next week. Awesome! Um, you'll be able to, you know, get tickets. You you you're even going to be able to pre-order tickets to even our Buddha Pub shows um, if you so choose. Especially as the, as the remedy takes off, as um, you know, di- our different like our '90s dance night that we're having this Friday uh, with DJ Sean Doolin. Um, 
you know, people are pre-registering for that just to make sure they have a seat um, when they come in. Um, One of the nice things about where we are right now is people are starting to expect us to have really cool things coming on and and you can come in every weekend, whether it's a rock show, a dance party, um, comedy, whatever. Just visit either budapub.com or historicgermanhouse.com. Love it. You have any uh, social media of your own, Asa? Uh, no, if people actually want to find us, though, we are at 315 Gregory Street in the South Wedge. Love it. Basement of that big German house. Big German house. Can't miss it. <laughs> and uh, so my uh, social media, at Stromy, Twitter and Instagram, and Food About Town on Facebook. And uh, Evan and Asa, thanks for stopping over, guys. Thanks, Thank Chris. you. Beautiful. See you guys soon. Adios.